Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And we're here to give you more information about the outdoors this week. Uh, bring it to your ear holes, and hopefully you <laughs> listening to us. Uh, this is episode number 16. We Woo! are now at two full, no, four, four. full months. Four. four full months. Rick can't count. Uh, four full Why come months. you know Mathy? <laughs> huh? You're a no Mathy Kathy. Why oh, no. come you know uh, Mathy? Yeah. So funny story. Funny story about this. Um, many people probably do not know this unless you went to Fayetteville Perry High School. Um, <laughs> I, uh, math was the only subject I was not real great at. And I actually went down a math class. My God, uh, reality being though, is that, uh, I dropped down a math class and, uh, I, uh, had to finish out the year that way and, uh, never really recovered from it. I still hate math, like with an absolute, (laughs) passion absolute flipping passion so um so we got a lot of stuff to talk about Um, we have a good bit of things to discuss so uh where do we want to start we want to start with i mean it's i mean we are almost to august which means for me at least and i believe for you that deer season is right around the corner and whether you are traveling out of state or across uh, the country, um, states, you know, Nevada, um, I believe opens like pretty dang soon. Um, Florida opens even earlier than that, I believe. Dude, Central California. So Florida actually is already open, right? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. already open. And then Florida deer, um, they rut basically all year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know, they don't have to worry about when they're going to have fawns because there's right. constant water, food, warmth. So they literally, certain parts of Florida will have ruts in February, others in July. Um, I remember telling some dude he was full of shit because he said he killed a deer in Florida. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> probably, what ranch were you on? You know, like, you're crazy. Ain't no deer season in right now. It's July, bro. Yeah. And he's like, no. And, you know, that was when I was a dumbass and we just blurt <laughs> shit out. Before so, you looked at regs. Yeah. Well, not only that, but just maybe ask questions rather than yeah. accusing. I was like, no, don't you understand? I hunt in Ohio. I'm the man. So <laughs> I... Uh, big deer that's, here. That's, that's <laughs> big deer here. So that's when I kind of learned to shut my mouth and maybe ask questions instead of, you know, just throwing shit out there. But anywho, um, yeah, so uh, Florida... I would say is open if, if they're not, it's mm-hmm. damn close. And then central California is open. Uh, I will be, uh, as I'm sure people are sick of hearing it, um, traveling to Nebraska and that opens the first of September. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that we have such great luck that we kill out and come back and we're right in Kentucky, Kentucky for opening weekend. That Friday, that way, yep. I can get settled in and go hunt Kentucky Saturday morning. Well, yep. technically, 
I ain't hunting in the morning. I, I figured that out. I'm hunting in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I made that mistake a couple of years ago. <clears throat> My first time being over here, I was so excited to be able to like, I get to go hunting a whole month early. This is freaking wonderful. And then I just sweated my nuts off the entire time I was sitting in the stand, got blown at by 15 different does walking through. And it just, it was just an awful experience. I mean, it was a great experience in the woods. Don't get me wrong. It was an awful experience as a deer hunter for the sole fact that like anything that was probably within a mile radius could smell me because, um, I dressed like I was going to hunt uh, an October one deer opener versus a September one deer opener. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely different, even though here in Ohio, I mean, it's still generally, it's not like a nice opening day. If it's not stupid and raining, like it did last year, last year it was hot. Yeah. And then we got set up literally not in the forecast Mm -hmm. at all. We all got rained on. It yep. was insane. Everybody did. I was pissed off. Um, you know, I'm having to hide the camera, and it would, like, rain for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and stop, and you think you're good. Um, and then here it comes, and it was, like, freaking downpour. Yeah, it was rough. So, um, but uh, that said, uh, yeah, we got a bunch of deer seasons right around the corner, um, and that kind of leads us into – some of the things we're going to talk about. So first things first, uh, I got my new cellular cameras yesterday. The Tacticam Tacticam reveal. Uh, I was fortunate enough to not be one of the pilot people that (laughs) were made to pay like 120 bucks. Oh, really camera. Yeah. They, they bought them for $120 and then, turn around and pay 99 for them at Bass Pro Cabela's on Amazon. Oh, that's a uh, gut punch. Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty stoked there. Uh-huh. It, one thing I'll say is it's not a Spartan. It's, yeah. it's not the, you know, whatever Spartan 300, $400 camera. I was going to say those, those are, uh, the cost they're, of a new gun. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're as good as it gets. I'd say when it comes to cell cams, uh, not only with pick and video quality, the fact that you get a video with my camera, mm-hmm. it'll save, it'll do pick and video, but it'll save the video yeah. on the e card, not send it to you. So um, you'll only get pics. But, you know, in my opinion, I'm not trying to get videos like that. I'm trying to get pictures to mm-hmm. see when those deer are there and all that. And I'm trying to stay out of there yeah. uh, as much yeah. as possible. So if this thing works out and, you know, the deer set it off, uh, like they should and all that, then I'll probably buy a few more here before too long. But, you know, this, this is, this is a big talking point in the hunting community right now is, uh, are are the cellular cameras. And when we had officer Gilkey on here, hopefully we'll have him back on. I actually talked to him today about, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, Reds baseball and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, we were, we were, oh, I yeah. would like to talk to him about Reds baseball. I think, <laughs> I think he and I would align on a lot of red stuff right now. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, so he and I are talking and um, 
you know, it reminded me of what he said with regards to like knowing about a animal moving through an area and kind of all that kind of stuff and how that, how that operates or how that deals with things. And, you know, this is a big point that I think some States are trying to get out in front of or things like that is, uh, what constitutes fair chase and things like that. Um, I think they're awesome personally. Like I don't own one, but I, 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 you know, I I would love to have one. Um, I would love to have, (laughs) I would love to be able to, uh, get pictures uh, and videos of deer, like perusing my bait sites and that kind of stuff, uh, throughout the evening and, uh, throughout the middle of the night, I'd probably drive myself insane though. I think that's why I don't have one just yet. Um, but it kind of bleeds into that area of, um, if you know that a deer is going to be there at six fifteen every day, um, how, how does that factor into being a hunter and all that kind of stuff? And I know that that's a talking point, but for the moment being, I'm excited to see how these things work and how this all plays out. Yeah. Um, so one of the thing, you know, some people use these cameras, some don't, uh, I do believe that. So there's a lot of people that get confused when we talk about certain things. And, mm-hmm. and one of them is that, uh, when we talk about deer being smart enough to know a camera's there mm-hmm. and know they're being hunted, do I think that does and babies and young bucks, I'm not sure that they really care because they come in all times of the day and they're just not as leery. So no. when we get, you know, kind of try to help explain this a little bit to people and I'm not captain big deer God, but uh, <laughs> this, this only makes sense if you think about it logically, mm-hmm. um, when you get that big buck, that's four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. And he's 140 or he's 190. He is not just physically superior, right? He is also mentally superior and much more intelligent than the other deer. And he's probably gotten lucky a few times as well. They don't get that big and they don't get that old because they're dumb. Right. He he is intelligent. He is crafty. He is methodical. He is what most people don't think animals and specifically deer are. Right. He is intelligent to a certain uh, respect. They bed mm-hmm. to watch your access and all that. So um, I've actually had pictures where you'll see a certain specific deer stare at your camera mm-hmm. and never come in and eat corn, never come in and lick mineral, nothing. Have really? a damn candy block lick hanging on a tree mm-hmm. and won't have anything to do with it. But you got that picture of him, you know, it's on three round bursts. So you got three pics of him one right. single time, never see that deer again on camera. And then I went out hunting for another deer that was on camera like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Bledsoe and yeah. uh, this deer shows up at 40 yards and I, I wasn't expecting that deer. I figured he was just, you know how they kind of wander here and mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I figured that's what it was. No, he was coming through there pretty routine. He just didn't screw off and come in eating that corn. And I don't know if it's, he's had a bad experience or, you know, whatever, but whatever the case, trust me when I say that there are deer out there, 
maybe not everywhere, but mm-hmm. there's deer, especially big ones, avoiding your camera. So unless you got that absolutely quick clip, then you ain't got nothing. And then that's where, you know, oh, I don't have anything that's over 140 on camera, so mm-hmm. I'm not going. And he's out there. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, and and I think that also goes back to how often you go in and check your cams, and how often you go into the woods just in general to reset bait and that kind of stuff. Yep. You know, there's two very different theories on that kind of thing. Where um, some guys will go in every week because they want the deer to get used to them. They want the yeah. deer there. You know, they'll do they'll do that pretty regularly. Uh, yeah. Then there's then there's the other side of you put the cameras in you don't go in until October uh, right. and you don't hunt those deer. And I think with those, with this new tactic cam reveals that allows for that second option, a heck of a lot easier because yes. if you are setting it up on a piece of property and like, let's say that you're not necessarily baiting it, or if you have a food plot or something like that, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to just have it sitting there watching the plot and you not ever having to go in there dispersing scent or anything along those lines that might necessarily kind of spook those deer a little bit more. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think everything's situational too, for example. Um, and, and I'm not going to say, you know, people make it out to be like, uh, people make it out to be like, um, you know, subdivision deer and, um, urban deer are uh not as intelligent and they absolutely are it's just that um they're used to people a little more so they're used to you know chopping trees down in your backyard and it doesn't certain things you know you you put grass clippings or Mm -hmm. screw around or whatever in your backyard they're used to that kind of stuff so it's not out of the norm freaking the hell out of them right right go out in the country you go out the hill country yeah start doing stuff like that and putting up blinds and i'll Those be honest, get weirded out real easily oh dude they freak the hell out they they just leave yeah i i had a farm last year with you could say three for sure shooters and three other really nice mm-hmm. deer when i say a shooter it's 160 plus no, no, not not quite that big. I had one that probably push mid fifties. Another one would push right around fifty, and then there was an eight pointer that if he was not broken up, mm-hmm. I would have shot him because he's just a one of the bigger deer I've ever had on camera, body right, wise. Right, giant neck, giant head. He was clearly a very big dominant deer, um, and I'm hoping to get him on camera this year. So. Uh, I put a blind up mm-hmm. and those deer left. Really? I never got a single picture the rest of the season. And I left that blind up thinking they'd get used to it. Mm-hmm. And I put mineral out. They still haven't come in. So really? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going in there probably tomorrow and I'm going to take that damn blind down mm-hmm. and then see what happens. So, see what happens after that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Tacticam, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, it works. I tested it out at home, and then I took it and put it up at a spot that I have a pretty good buck. Actually, now two pretty good bucks. Mm-hmm. Actually, three. Um, I don't know that any of them are shooters for me yet. Yeah. Kind of still seeing what I have. Them out. All that. Uh, 
But um, that said, it, it's not expensive. I think it's 13 bucks a month for mm-hmm. unlimited picks, and that's for your first cam and the second cam, and every cam after that maybe is like 12 bucks a month or something. So, not bad. Uh, but when you think about it, if you take that 100 bucks, I think it was $113, mm-hmm. uh, and then add whatever. Now think about when I drive out every week to exactly. Blue Creek in Adams County mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably spending 25 bucks a pop on gas. Exactly. So you're going to save some money pretty quick. Well, yeah, and that, that that's you know that, that you have you have to look at it from a, a standpoint of what's going to be best for you overall. I mean, you you could put one of those out, and it could be one of those things where it's going to be. Um, a lifesaver. Cause I, you know, I had a farm that I hunted, uh, for five or six years and I would drive 45 minutes after work every Friday, go dump corn, pull cards, you know, drive back around, pick up my kids. And I mean, it, it, it ended up being like an hour and a half, um, almost two hour long trip every Friday because I had to keep going out there and doing that. Whereas, you know, had I just, you know, had something like that, I could have this, you know, sent to my phone and then I don't got to go out there and bait the site or whatever. I could go out yeah. every two, I could just dump a ton there and just be done with it and not have to worry about it for a while. But, you know, it's getting to that time of year where, um, you know, if you don't already have it, buy your corn. It's going to go up in price if, if it hasn't already. Saw a guy uh, walking out of a store with a bag of it uh, to go plop down uh, with a brand new trail cam uh, that they had on sale as well. So it's, you know, it's on people's minds as, uh, as what's happening, you know, moving forward for the year. Yeah. Um, so that said, Tacticam so far, so good. Um, next thing I kind of want to hit on is kind of what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, the bait sites mm-hmm. and, now, obviously, check your state regs. Lots of states do not allow baiting. I believe it is legal, obviously, in Ohio, but also in Kentucky, yes? Ohio, Kentucky. Okay. Um, I don't know in Michigan anymore because I don't know if they passed the laws up it's there. It's like a weird – dude, it's so weird up there. You could have mm-hmm. like – it's the dumbest thing ever. It's like a gallon or something, which, dude, what are you going to put out? You'd have to put out liquid mineral or something like you yeah. couldn't. You could not put out a gallon of corn no. anywhere. You couldn't put out a gallon of corn in the middle of the damn road and have No, you're that better happen. off doing like micro plots and stuff at that point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just plant a bunch of corn and then mow it down yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, that said, you know, we kind of hit on this a little bit when you're running those mineral sites and bait sites. One of the things I like to do, um, is throw out, you know, a little snackage, uh, when I lay the mineral out there Mm -hmm. just helps attract them and, um, you know, get them coming in there basically, let them know where the mineral is. And, uh, I'm looking to inventory my deer. Like I'm not trying to get them on a pattern. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. under the assumption, assumption that, you know, any deer for that matter, but Every once in a while, you'll find a deer that you can kind of manipulate. But for the yeah. most part, when you're hunting big deer, and this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about big deer here. Big deer. 
big four plus year old deer that are, you know, probably going to be scoring well as, mm-hmm. as well. So, um, I'm just trying to inventory deer and, yep. you know, look at what direction they're coming from, even though that doesn't tell you that much, as much as you think anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and just try to get a handle on things. That way I know when I start hunting season opener, what farm am I going to go to? What public land track mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. am I going to go to? Uh, which you can't bait on public land, by the way. But, no, you can't. Not you know, in Ohio get, or Kentucky. Yeah. You, you kind of get the gist that, you know, when you're running these cams and stuff, um, that's mainly what I'm doing is taking inventory. And then, uh, if I have a deer that seems to come in to my bait site a lot in the daylight, Mm -hmm. that tells me that he is bedded fairly close. And at that point, I'll probably try to entice him. And literally I will not go in there unless the wind is perfect. Mm -hmm. I will not go in there in the evening or morning. It will be, the hottest shittiest part of the day when deer are probably laying in a creek or somewhere in the shade or mm-hmm. whatever and i also set my sights up in between food and bedding or right on mm-hmm. food i never put it in bedding that's you're just begging to screw up your life so that said uh well, is there anything you like to use at all? I know I do. Uh, I'll I'll talk about my mineral concoction here. In I a mean second. the the ba- the basic uh, the basic thing that I use is uh, I uh, I find travel corridors <clears throat> and pinch points uh, with the farm that I hunt at least, um, and I just use you know shell corn um, when cows don't get into it. Obviously, like it did last year, and completely ruined my spot. I need to completely ruin. I got a nice deer, uh, but. You know, I, I don't I don't put down any minerals or that kind of stuff because it's a pretty mineral rich area already. It's a creek bottom. There's a lot of stuff already there that those deer are pawing and digging up. Um, sure, it's it's a real good area, so I don't have to I don't have to manage or do that. And it sits on the edge of a field full of clover and that. So yeah, um, it, those those deer just kind of filter in and out of there between bedding areas and going out into the uh, cow pastures and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so I wanted to kind of hook people up a little bit here. Um, and this isn't some super big secret. You can find this online anywhere, but some people don't know. So, Mm -hmm. uh, my mineral that I use, and again, if anybody thinks that mineral just grows these giant deer, Please don't believe that. That's a marketing thing. That's yeah, not- you, there, there's there's multi, there's a multitude of factors that go into deer being the way that they are, and a lot a lot of it has to do with habitat, minerals, uh, genetics. I mean, there's, there's there's a ton of different factors that go into that. I, I think, honestly, in my opinion and experience, because mm-hmm. I do have a little experience in this, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to be connected to quite a few people in the deer farming industry, so. Age, genetics, obviously, you know, on a deer farm, Mm -hmm. um, they have unlimited food, right? So one thing that people don't realize is how much a buck is pressured and stressed, whether Mm -hmm. that be hunting pressure, predator pressure uh, from coyotes, mountain lions, whatever you got. Um, And then the other thing is the pressure from the rut and their ability to recover, um, that is huge. 
uh, and I've heard of guys literally um, tranquilizing a buck so they could do a minor surgery, mm-hmm. like a dental thing or something mm-hmm. stupid, right? And the deer was like, I think it was a three-year-old, and it was like 287 inches or something. You know, don't Holy quote cow. me, but I mean, I'm pretty close on yeah. that number. It wasn't like 190. It's like a 280-inch deer. And the next year, nothing else changed for that deer. The next mm-hmm. year, that deer didn't even make 200 inches. Really? And then, and then the next year, it was over three. So that, really? you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was that. And it's stress, stress, stress just yeah. kills. Absolutely. So, which, I mean, look at what it does to people. I mean, there's people that literally, you know. The cortisol I mean, level it, shoots up and it does yeah. weird things to your body. Yeah, I mean, think about what it does to the meat of an animal when mm-hmm. they stress out for just a few seconds. So, anywho, um, don't think that, you know, you're going to buy, I'm not going to say the, the brand, but there's one that everybody knows that <laughs> claims that they grew these. The biggest, biggest bucks ever. Here. Yeah, they're full of shit. You would never have a way of knowing that. Right. Especially with a wild deer. You right. Have, you have absolutely no idea. So, that said, um, I go to my feed store. Mm-hmm. and this is so simple you get mineral now mm-hmm. a lot of people use trace mineral and that's fine but keep in mind trace mineral means that there is a trace of mineral yeah it's, i think it's like 90 percent salt really yeah it's something crazy so there's very little mineral in there so what i do mm-hmm. um feed feed guy taught me a little trick so the farmers buy the Redmond mineral, which mm-hmm. is the same people who make trophy rock. Okay. Uh, so it's the same mineral they use to make trophy rock, only it's a granule. It's not salt. It's like pure mineral, basically. So uh, large granules. Um, I buy a 50-pound bag of that. Mm-hmm. I buy a 50-pound bag of feed salt, mix-in salt. Mm-hmm. And then... I buy a 50-pound bag of dicalcium phosphate. Dicalcium phosphate. Yes. And say that 20 times fast, right? <laughs> so then I simply mix them at a one-to-one-to-one ratio. Mm-hmm. So I just basically take a five-gallon bucket and take a cup of each until I get the bucket damn near full. And then yeah. I go out with a hoe and preferably like a bottle of Gatorade, little bit of uh, powdered Kool-Aid, you know, mix sweet stuff in there to just mm-hmm. kind of ice them and help them find it easier, uh, quicker, I guess I should say. And uh, I'll take like a gallon of water and I'll hoe up the dirt. I try to find a spot too with that kind of, I don't want to say holds water, but holds yeah. moisture. Moisture, um, yeah. I don't want a mineral site to be on a ridge top where the water doesn't hold. So... Um, I'll hoe up the dirt, get the leaves and weeds and everything out, hoe the dirt up and get it chopped up real fine and then dump that stuff in there and just mix it in with the dirt Nice. and then dump the water in there and mix it around to kind of soak it. Cause otherwise the deer will come in there and just clean it up Yeah. and then dump that Gatorade. And, uh, you know, I also add the Kool-Aid powder in before I dump the water on as well. I should have said that. So it's just a neat little thing. And I mean, honestly, what you're doing there, this is kind of logic and opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I could never prove this, but when you think about it, 
you'll see big deer, little deer, whatever, come in there and lick it. But one thing I think I see the most is mamas with babies. Mm-hmm. They're lactating. Mm-hmm. They tear that stuff up. Really? And they clearly, I mean, they clearly need that. I, I'll have a doe come in there six, eight times a day licking that mineral, and, and she'll dig a hole. I had yeah. I got that farm out in Adams County. I had one single doe with one baby. Now I've got two does and two babies, which is really exciting for me. Adams County deer population sucks right now, especially where <laughs> I am. I'm out in Blue Creek, so uh, it's hill country. And if you see a doe in November, dude, you better just sit still because somebody's going to be behind her before too long. <laughs> but uh, So, anywho, um, yeah, they'll dig a big old hole. And, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, crazy. Just completely, like, just, hold just it all it. out. So um, that's a little little tip for all of our wonderful listeners there uh, on that. Good deal. So um, let's uh, switch gears before I get into my real ramble here. Yeah. And uh, let's talk gardening, man. You, uh, yeah. You've been pickling some stuff. <clears throat> I have. Um, it's been fun. And one of the big things that, you know, goes into summer means gardens and uh, with gardens uh, comes preserving, at least for me it does. But uh, I will say this. It's been tough finding canning supplies. Yes. Everybody Pickling and their mother salt. decided that they wanted to learn yeah. how to can this year because Damn they, it. They, they have gardens now. I'm like, oh, I've got all this time to go ahead and like learn how to can and garden. And um, it's made it tough. I, I, I will say this. So uh i i've i've not hit like full bore uh worry yet but um if you can find canning supplies you know obviously grab them and get them and i i have uh been pickling uh cucumbers from my garden i just did a bunch of um carrots tonight that so i can uh i can have those as well if you've never had pickled carrots uh you're missing out they're really good pickled asparagus too i'll try that Really? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's ridiculously good. I had it at a uh, restaurant over in Kentucky. They served pickled carrots with their Reuben instead of a pickle, and it was absolutely amazing. I was very surprised. So I'm like, I figure I can do this. I'll, I'll figure it out. So I figured it out. So I made um, caraway uh, pickled carrots tonight. So hopefully they turn nice. out. But um as you do this, there you will have accidents. I had my first accident, I believe, ever <laughs> doing this the other uh, last night. Actually, um, instead of doing the uh, sous vide pickling, which I've been doing more of, where I just kind of like set it and forget it, it's like I'll get I'll get the you know the canning pot out and I'll do it on the stove top. Man, I I went to pickle a whole thing of cucumbers, and I heard a pop noise. I'm like, huh. Uh, I thought it was my sealed intake or something was wrong with the jar. Pull it out, like look at it, like retighten all my jars, put it back down in there. Timer goes off. Go over and look. There's freaking cucumbers floating everywhere. There's broken glass. It's like, uh, you you have a you'll have exploding jars every once in a while. So make sure um, you follow directions before you put jars in boiling water. Um, it's real easy to forget to do that. Bring your jars up to temp so they stay um, at some type of uh, uh, equilibrium with the water. Otherwise, they're gonna pop and you're gonna be you're gonna have a bad day, dude. So, <laughs> I 
my grandma's got this neighbor that's about her age. She's mm-hmm. pushing 90 years old. And, uh, she, man, she's went downhill the yeah. last six, seven years or something, but, uh, which really sucks. You know, you, you know, they're, they were, they've been old people to me since I was alive. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, you know, they started in their fifties when I was alive or whatever. So, uh, yeah, they were in their fifties. So, uh, she's the next door neighbor to the farm. And, um, she told my grandma that she had some canning stuff she wanted to kind of get rid of and sell her yeah. husband had passed and they don't really raise a whole lot of stuff anymore. I think her grandson takes care of her or whatever. So, um, she sold me a Presto, this thing, dude, I'd love to know how old this thing is. I should, <laughs> I should try to chat. I mean, it came with the manual. Which you know is, how they are, man. Yeah. I mean, they had the box that came in, everything. It was mm-hmm, a Presto mm-hmm. canner. And, uh, dude, the first couple batches turned out amazing. And then one day, for those of you that don't know, this is a pressure canner. And, um, I mean, you're cooking this stuff under pressure. And with certain yeah. things, you know, a lot of stuff you can do, like a hot water bath, they call it. And it basically seals. It, it gets it up to temp. Yep. Uh, but for the most part, lots of stuff is acidic enough to make sure there's no bacteria. Yeah, your salsas, your pickling, yeah. that kind of stuff is acidic enough to be able to go ahead and do that. But if you're doing so, like wet or green beans. Wet, wet packs and like with for green beans or tomatoes, yeah. I mean tomatoes are pretty acidic. But like mo- most stuff that you'll grow like regularly um, doesn't have enough acidity in it for it to be. Uh, you have to use the vac sealing. Uh, yeah, vac sealing. I'm sorry, pressure canning. Pressure canning. Um, yeah. Just like if you're uh, canning meat too, you would yep. need to use a pressure canner for that as well. Otherwise, you will get botulism. Botulism, which is no fun, <laughs> I would imagine. So, um, that said, <laughs> that said, uh, I got in a hurry and removed that pressure valve. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, immediately when I did it, I was like, "Oh shit!" And you just hear all seven quart jars bust. And, uh, and you open it up and there's now keep in mind just so people are aware so you can do a batch of seven quart jars in this canner mm-hmm. a quart jar is good for two or three meals yep and seven quart jars you can take this to the bank is a heaping bucket a heaping five gallon bucket of green beans so a lot of stuff went to waste there Ugh. and green beans are my fave Yeah, out of anything I grow. Uh, I'll eat corn on the cob this time mm-hmm. of year. And I love tomatoes and salsa yeah. and onions and potatoes and all that. Right. But the peppers, oh, uh, which if you need any peppers, uh, your boy can hook you up if Sweet. you need them. Uh, that said, green beans are my thing. And that, that was worth a couple tears and like a fist. <laughs> onto the counter i was pissed so but uh yeah man the canning um we've got so i went and picked blackberries the other day mm-hmm. wife made a delicious cobbler i think we've got enough for probably a batch or so maybe two batches oh, of nice. uh blackberry jam jam and then we've got enough i think we picked about a five gallon bucket of green beans oh and nice then we're getting we're getting Grape tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, uh, 
all kinds of the other tomatoes. The only tomato I'm not getting yet is Roma's. Yeah, uh, my Roma's is stunted for whatever reason. Mine are too. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if that's just because it was so dry for so long. I think it's I think it's got something to do with that. Like my mine just have it. Like I've got green I've got green Romas and they just they're not turning um, for yeah. whatever reason. But, but I they say take that, a while. Yeah, and I say that my parents brought over like like a bag of them for me today, and I think it's oh wow. But but their their soil's ridiculous. Like they oh I'm sure I don't forever. doubt that. Yeah. So uh, one of the cool things. That I'll kind of talk about is I went and, you know, some people probably saw me post this. Uh, I went to my cousin's house. Mm-hmm. I'll keep his name um, out of it because he didn't like to be talked. Uh, he's, yeah, just, he's connected within some certain fields of work and uh, he doesn't want to take a chance on anybody you know getting pissed yeah but uh we he grows rabbits oh yeah um, and chickens and all this and Mm -hmm. uh dude he's got the most amazing system for slaughtering and butchering really whatever you need all dude it's so quick and efficient um it's got this little device you stick the rabbit's head in there Mm -hmm. and and literally you're cradling it was kind of fucked up um you cradle this rabbit and just kind of keep hold of his bottom legs. Yep. And then you slowly slide him into this thing where it basically just, you know, you've got his head in a contraption. No, no, no. No. That, that'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, that's actually counterproductive for his system. Oh. You don't cut his head off. You literally, as soon as you get that in there, you close a little lever. Mm-hmm. So his head is trapped in there. Yep. And you, you simply pull straight up on his back legs instantly pops the neck and the animal's done oh wow i mean like lights out right now and i'll be honest i'm a big time hunter Mm -hmm. i struggle sometimes with slaughtering animals because it's different it's different i used to uh i used i worked in a rat lab at one point a long time (laughs) ago yeah yeah uh well, I mean, for I uh, yeah, I mean, really kind of weird segue. Um, you hard but, up for money, but but uh, but uh, in college, I worked in a rat lab, and um, like you have to like dissect the brains and that kind of stuff, and that was part oh, wow. of like what you have to do is you have to you know sack the rats and you have to you know get their brains out and that kind of stuff in one piece. But you, it's like you're essentially like making sure that the animal's dead and it's, you know, it's a lot different than like putting a gun to to an animal or something like that. It's a little bit more personal. So um, while I didn't eat the rats for food, I understand what you mean (laughs) with, uh, with being able to uh, being able to do that. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a different form of, uh, of, of livestock growing actually. So on episode 17, Rick (laughs) admits to eating the rats. Never, Um, never, never. (laughs) So, uh, it was really cool. Well, one yeah. of the exciting things is kind of nerdy of me. Uh, this is my green thumb, which really turns to a brown thumb here. Mm-hmm. Um, he collects all the rabbit poop manure. Oh, he's whatever you want to call it, and keeps it in buckets. And I got two buckets of that stuff to throw uh, in my garden, fertilizer. which is like it is so stupid, like nutrient dense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to toss that around the garden, but. Nice. Uh, and I got a few rabbits out of the deal for helping. Uh, it was it was really amazing. So you'd break this rabbit's neck, and then let him hang, and you just make 
all the cuts that you would need mm-hmm. around the legs. Yep. And then you'd make a slit across the shoulder blades. And then he had like this uh, little piece of metal screwed into a post mm-hmm. that was sticking up. And you'd literally, it was like when a bully would pick a kid up and hang his ass on a door hanger or a yep. coat hanger. Same thing. You'd make that slit across the shoulder blades and, and kind of separate the membrane up there behind mm-hmm. the shoulders and uh, up into the neck area and then just slide that thing right on there and then undress the rabbit. You, yeah. you cut around the front of him and undress the entire rabbit, gut him. And uh, I actually also learned, this was crazy, I didn't know this, shame on me, but I never took anatomy. Um, I removed the gallbladder Mm-hmm. I did not realize that the gallbladder sat in the liver. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. And let me tell you, <laughs> it is a tricky bitch to cut <laughs> a rabbit's gallbladder out of a liver without screwing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be very simple to screw it up. And then once you do, all that bile comes out of there and it's, yeah, it's, it's you're done. at that point. So, uh, which I've never... I've not done the rabbit liver yet, but uh, when we do rabbit hunting and all that, yeah, we'll be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, that's kind of exciting, but yeah, uh, gardening has been been doing uh, <laughs> doing pretty good, and uh, we're starting to collect stuff finally. And know, getting- finally, it, it's kind of nice to be able to like start actually be. Um, it's it's nice just to finally start actually having stuff harvested from the garden that I, I planted a while ago. And like, we've talked about this, we've both been growing these things forever and we're just now getting the uh, fruits of our labor, I guess. So speaking of fruits of our labor, um, we need to talk about uh, bow tuning. Yes, we do. Um, um, because it's that time of year where if you haven't been shooting, you need to be shooting. And if you have been shooting, you still need to be shooting. Yes. That is the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> Praise be to God. Uh, I, I mean, you couldn't say that any better. Um, so as a target guy, uh, it's so difficult to hear. And, and I know lots of guys are like this and I was mm-hmm. like this. It's so difficult to hear about somebody getting their bow out in you know, August or even July, really, but yeah. August or September. And I'm like, dude, there's so much. But there again, you know, people are are not trying, you know, that's that's where you, you get into like the guys who are like, well, I would never take a shot past 35 yards. Mm-hmm. You're crazy. And it's like, well, let me tell you the things that me and my shooting partner and our teammates and our opponents and all these people do would blow people's minds Mm -hmm. if they sat down and just watched throughout the year, which I think, and I didn't do the greatest job this year. I'm going to show it off next year. Mm -hmm. If I do end up shooting. Um, and if not, I'll just, I'll just get the stuff off of somebody else. But, um, there's so much that goes into that and so much you're paying attention to that. Um, when you get to hunting season, it's, it's insane, dude. Like, yeah, I'm I'm going out there shooting one and one eighth inch dots at sixty yards Jeez uphill. Uh, you know, at at twenty and thirty yards, 
mm-hmm. shooting at something. I literally traced a dime on a piece of cardboard. So you could say it's a hair yeah. larger than a dime because I traced the outer edge of it with uh-huh. a fine point Sharpie and then colored it in black. So I'm shooting at a dime at 20 and 30 yards. And if I'm not hitting that dime, right. keep in mind, this is still with field points. But once we have everything tuned up, it's going to be the same yeah. rodheads as long as you do your part. So that said, um, you know, when we step out to 60 yards and I can shoot something that's an inch, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I can shoot a deer, which I'm not going to shoot a doe that far. I mean, there's no. a, I have all kinds of encounters at 10, 15, 20 yards, whatever. But a big buck in a bean field or, you know, mm-hmm. When I go out to Nebraska, you need to be able to you need to be able to shoot out that far. I'm going to drop bombs. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna toss rainbows across the field. <laughs> so uh, that said, to kind of talk a little bit about some of the things you guys can do uh, to just kind of help. And again, I'm a nobody when it comes to shooting a bow. I feel like I'm terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially some of these guys. They're just so annoyingly good you know luke mm-hmm. luke's so freaking good at archery <laughs> it's because he practiced you know that's his thing yeah um you know again i always tell you know he always makes the joke well not really a joke it's true he says uh hard work beats talent when talent won't work hard mm-hmm. and it's the truth i mean luke, yeah it luke is works luke busts his ass for archery and archery pays him back for it so um one of the things that I like to do setting up a bow that helps me. I think people look at these arrows and they look at a chart and it says, if you have a 27 inch draw at 70 pounds, you need a 350 spine. And if it's, you know, and every arrow is different, mm-hmm. mind you, mm-hmm. but I'm just tossing numbers out. So don't take that as the gospel, but this is just an example. But, um, so if you were to buy that arrow, arrow, uh, take it home and start out at, you know, and it's got recommended lengths mm-hmm. too. But if you start out and, and this also applies to guys with dual cam bows. So you can do what's called a bear shaft tune. So your first thing that you want to do is paper tune that bow. And a lot of times, like when you go get your strings and cables put on more than likely, the only thing that bow shop's going to do is try to shoot a bullet hole through paper mm-hmm three feet away, five feet away, whatever. And then once they get that, they're good. They call it good, right? It's not everybody, but the majority of the time. And and to be honest, for what most guys are trying to do, mm-hmm. just damn fine. Yeah. But we can always be better. So the next thing you can do is do what's called a bear shaft tune. And what you're going to do is you're going to take a fletched shaft and a bear shaft you're going to start off at length X. Let's say you're going to start off with a 28-inch arrow, 28 inches being end-to-end on the Mm -hmm. shaft. This does not include the knock, a bushing, or an insert or head or whatever. This is just shaft end to shaft end. Yeah. All right? So for those of us that know anything about arrows, the longer an arrow is, the weaker it is. So it has more flex. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a 250 spine or 350 spine, 300 spine, whatever, when you make that arrow longer, it is not as strong as it would be 
as if you took a little bit off. So right. you don't, don't want to just go chopping the arrow down to 27 inches, 26 inches. So I started 29, 28, somewhere around there and shoot a fletch shaft and then shoot the bear shaft both at 10 yards starting mm-hmm. out. Because what's going to happen is that fletched arrow might not be too bad, but there's a chance that unless you had somebody halfway decent that cares about you messing with your bow, yeah, you probably got some cam lean, and literally you can see the cam leaning, leaning off to one side. So what you do is you can shim a bow or yoke tune it or whatever. You'll put twists in the yokes, cables, whatever, to adjust that cam lean mm-hmm. and get everything straightened up. And then once you do that, you start playing with the length of your arrow. And then, and that, th- this is basically the goal is to aim at a dot at 20 yards. That's kind of the standard mm-hmm. Luke's, Luke's shooting at 40. Uh, but at 20 yards, you want to be able to shoot a fletch shaft and have that bear shaft hit pretty close. If not hit that arrow, slap it something, yeah. but be fairly yeah. close. And then the other thing that's important is even though it's close, that doesn't necessarily mean you're good. You want to look at that. Obviously, we want a fresh target, fresh part of your target. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you want those arrows to be going into that target at the same angle, pretty yeah. close. And you'd be able to tell. I mean, it it's not like it's going to hit a hole and send it that bad generally. But uh, you'll be able to tell if it's tailed high, tailed low, left, right, whatever. So um, once you do that, keeping in mind that you always set up your center shot. That's one of the first things you do on your rest with your arrow on your rest is set up center shot, center shot. And, uh, you don't want to jack with that too much. Right. But, um, once you get bear shaft tune, you'll make like minor rest adjustments up and down sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if it, you know, if you've got your arrow chopped down 27, 26 inches, whatever, um, you can do a little trick where you take a couple of turns out of your bow to -hmm. reduce the poundage and shoot Mm -hmm. it. And if that makes it better, you know that you need a stiffer arrow and to not cut the arrow so short or maybe uh, reduce your point weight or add uh, back end weight, like put a heavier knock knock on it, add add a bushing, get bigger fletchings, go to a four, four or even a six fletch, something like that, which six fletch is kind of extreme, but uh, you can do it and it actually flies pretty good. Um, so there, there's just, there's so many tricks that you can do. So once you get all that stuff done, um, which that's a lot, generally you need a mm-hmm. press to do a lot of that. Um, you can broadhead tune. All you're going to do is you're going to go out there and you're going to shoot. It's like bear shaft tuning kind of. Yeah. You're going to shoot your field point and then you're going to shoot your broadhead and you want to sight your field point in to the target. And then when you're sighted in, shoot your broadhead and you want to make sure that that broadhead's hitting about the same spot. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody's about is going to be different. Some guys are excited that they hit their fist at 20 yards. (laughs) I think that's damn well good enough, but I also am not a fan of the term good enough. So uh, I'm shooting at stuff that's like uh, 
a quarter the of a end, dime. By, well, yeah, by the end of this, I'll be shooting at arrow holes, and I'm not telling you I'm going to hit those arrow holes every no. time. I'll be damn close. And that way, I know the, – the reason I do that is that's almost – you know, I call that sight tuning mm-hmm. where – because if you sight in on a dot as big as a paper plate, well, of course it's going to be easy to hit that paper plate. So you're right. not going to notice right. certain form issues and uh, not hold as steady. But when you're pulling through your shot and holding steady on something the size of an arrow hole, buddy, you're holding the bow damn well steady. Yeah, so, exactly. So – um, those are just a few things you can do. And, you know, if you have field points hitting the target, hitting your bullseye and your broadheads are not, you just micro adjust. When I say micro, I want you all to hear me say micro. And then I want you to say it to yourself three times because <laughs> micro, 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 I mean, freaking sea hair adjustment mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I'm talking where barely you moving. barely you barely tell that this thing moves so let's say you hit your point of impact with your your uh field tip is on the money mm-hmm. but you shot three inches left with your broadhead arrow up and down's fine though so all you're going to do is you're going to bump your rest and i can't stress it enough don't move it too much because you're going to watch it go way off to the other side. Yeah. You're, you're going to, so when sighting in a bow, you chase the arrow. All right. So if you're shooting high, you move your pin high, right? Right. To adjust it. Well, it's the opposite with a rest. You chase the bullseye. Right. So if, if you're wanting to hit to the right, you move your rest a little bit to the right. If it's just barely off up and down, you can just, bump and i mean bump that thing up and down they actually make toolless uh rests now where mm-hmm. you literally just turn a knob i got one on order right now actually from hamskia it's nice. the hamskia trinity it's super nice and it's for a guy that wants to be minute <laughs> you almost have to have that yeah so uh i'm pretty barely excited barely adjustments that. yeah i actually have uh my my bow strings and stuff on order so while I just went and worked hard to sight everything in, I'm going to have to re- literally start from scratch. But I wanted to be able to shoot with the guys this weekend at that benefit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's why I did that. But uh, anyhow, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a little um, snippet for you. A couple other little things. I notice a lot of guys hit high. Make sure that when you're shooting from an elevated position or if the deer's elevated above you, mm-hmm. you're at the bottom of the hill, they're at the top, whatever. Make sure that you're always drawing straight out at a T angle. You you look, you know, you're drawing straight mm-hmm. out 90 degrees. Well, then you aim like a pendulum with your hips, with your core. Always aim with your hips. Always aim with your hips. If you're moving your arm up and down, if you're moving that bow arm, dude, that's changing your, your freaking anchor and yep. so many different, like it literally will change the way you're looking through the peep and everything. Mm-hmm. And, Dude, it, I mean, it, even at 15, 20 yards, that can, you can miss a whole deer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That close. I've done absolutely. it too many times. So just a little tip uh, for you guys. So uh, other than that, um, man, I feel like we've, how long we've been talking here? We covered about a lot. Time? Yeah. Um, any concluders, Yanni? Um, 
No, I mean, uh, other, other than uh, it's getting close, man. It, deer season's close. Take advantage of the seasons, guys, that are out there right now. Frog gigging uh, is, is open right now. Uh, squirrel hunting will be open in Kentucky. If you have the opportunity to take somebody out, take them out, teach, and uh, you'll always learn something new when you're out in the woods with somebody new. That's Agreed. all I got. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot, you know, we're pretty big safety advocates. Yes. Oh, um, yes. For the love of God and all that is holy and unholy and everything else, wear a safety harness. Go get a safety yes. harness. Yes. If you yes. need one, right, Rick, I have like four of them. Yep. And I have a used one that's a vest. I'll give them to I you. I got an extra I'll, one sitting in my basement I'll, right now. I'll ship the son of a bitch to you. Yep. Don't climb a damn tree without a safety harness for the love of God. You do not want somebody banging your wife while she's wiping your ass and they're raising your kids. That That's how I put it to guys. And I know that's crude, but that's a fact of life. Um, you do not want somebody else coming in and raising your kids and all that. You don't want to be a burden on somebody and you don't want to die. Yeah. I mean, above all else, you don't want to die. and You don't want, you don't want anything bad to happen to yourself. So take the time to care for yourself and you know, it's the same as anything else. Just be safe and be smart about it. Yep. So, uh, so. anywho, uh, last thing I got blackberries are full throttle right now here in Ohio, Yep. especially in Southern and central Ohio. Um, so, uh, one thing that I'll advise people on is, um, you're, you're probably not going to go out there and find all the blackberries are ripe. They come in in waves. So like this week there'll be a wave and then you could pick them all. And then next week there's going to be just as many. And then the week yep. after that, there'll be just as many, but probably after about three weeks or so, they're going to start tapering off pretty bad and you're not going to get as many. So exactly. uh, get out there and pick you some blackberries and, um, summer scout, man, glass, those bucks on public, private, whatever, try not to pressure anything too much. And, uh, good luck to everybody this summer. Good luck to everybody. So I guess, uh, we'll close it out. So this has been fueled by the outdoors. We've been your host, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. And again, guys, it's been a pleasure bringing you guys more great content and good luck in your summer scouting and picking blackberries or whatever else you're doing right now. Yep. Hell yeah, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms as always we are available for contact at the elite outdoors one at gmail.com that is the elite outdoors the number one at gmail.com thanks a lot guys talk to you next time